I'll ask you to go ahead and grab your Bibles. We're going to be in Luke again today. And uh, if you wouldn't mind grabbing them right now. You know, I find myself, for whatever reason it is, I find myself here lately um, thinking about death. Yes, thinking about death. Even there's, there's times I'll be driving in my car, I'll be riding on my bike, and I'll pass by a graveyard, and I'll even think to myself, is that a place that I would want to be buried um, someday? Um, and then, now this is not an all-the-time occurrence, but sometimes this, this just happens um, for me. And here lately, I don't know why it is, I just find myself thinking about it um, all the more. You know, and maybe a few reasons I, I can think of. I just started drinking a, a coffee called Death Wish is the name of it. It has a, a skull with some crossbones on the front of it. Um, it has a ton of caffeine in it, so maybe that's, that's part of it. Or, or maybe it's my son's comment um, before we eat a meal, just how excited he is and how vigorously he eats it. And I asked him why, and he told me because, hey, you never know when your last meal is going to be. So maybe, maybe that's it. Or maybe it's the, the current state that we find ourselves in even today, um, surrounded by hearing stories of those that have lost their life to this virus, and just in general, people that, that have lost their lives um, as well. Maybe it's the books I've been reading, the, the biographies of people that I've, I've read about um, and the way in which they lived and also the way in which they, they died, many of them for uh, the very freedoms that we have um, here. Maybe it's just because I'm getting older. Yes, and, and the more I think about it, the more I realize that I'm one step closer um, to that day. And, you know, and as family ages as well, maybe I, 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 that's the reason I, I think about it um, all the more. Honestly, I, I'm not sure. Um, but regardless, I think about it from time to time, and maybe you do um, as well. I can't speak for you, but maybe you do. And whether we like it or not, you know, as mankind, um, we're, we're all going to, to face death. That's one thing that we all share is death. And as I learned over this weekend, we also share in taxes as well, because we all have to pay taxes. So maybe at this moment you're thinking to yourself, why did I turn this on? Why is is, is fish talking about death. Maybe I'll just go back to my breakfast in bed, as some of you may be right now. Um, but don't. Don't. Please don't. This morning is not meant to bring us down. This morning is not meant to, to do that at all. Really, this morning is a reminder of hope. A reminder of hope. For if you are a child of God, here's the deal. Death, even though we don't fully understand it, we have nothing to fear because of it, because of what Christ has done on our behalf. We have that great hope. And this morning, we find ourselves landing on this text, dealing with, with just this, with what Christ did on our behalf through his death and burial. And of course, as we'll look at next week, the, the resurrection um, as well. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me. We're going to be in Luke chapter 23 this morning, verses 44 um, through 56. As we come and as, as we remember as we reflect and, and as we respond um, to these great words. Luke chapter 23, 44 through 56. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed, his last. Now, when the centurion saw what had taken place, he, he praised God, saying, Certainly that this man was innocent. And all the crowds that assembled for the spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, they returned home, beating their breast. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee, they stood at a distance, watching 
these things. Now, there, there was a man named Joseph from, from the Jewish town of Armethia, and, and he was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man, he went to Pilate and he asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and he wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever been laid before. It was a day of preparation and Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how, how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath day, they rested according to the commandments. Wow, what's some great scripture that, that we see here this morning. What a great reminder we see here. And this, of course, this, this portion comes after Jesus um, has been tried, and of course now he, he's being crucified. And if you've ever read about crucifixion, it's the most horrible way I think anyone could ever be put um, to death. We won't get into all of it, but, but go read about it. Horrible way to die. But in this first portion of Scripture, we see, we see this. We see a clear picture of Jesus' death. We, we get these, these snapshots, as, well, as what I call them, just quick glimpses of what was taking place here in, in the Gospel um, of Luke. And what do we see? What do we see? Well, first we see, right off the bat, we see, we see darkness. We see darkness there in verses 44 through the first part of 45. Now, it was the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour while the sun's light failed. Can you imagine this? Darkness. Darkness when it was supposed to be at its brightest during that part of the day, which is around 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. And what do we have? We have light that has failed. Why is this? Why is it? What, what does this darkness represent? Well, often this. We, we know that darkness often represents evil. When we think of, of evil, a lot of times we think of, of black, we think of, of a dark color um, like that. For me, I think of like Darth Vader. Yes, he'd be dressed all in black. I mean, he, he was the dark side. You know, and also, we, when we think about darkness, you know, we think about sorrow. Yeah, think about it. When, when we go to a funeral, often um, is the case, we, we dress in darker colors, often, often a black color. Or we have a, an extended time um, of grieving, and, and we do that. We, we wear... Um, darker colors. So yeah, we think of sorrow when we think of that. But here, here that this darkness really is this, it's really divine judgment. Get this, it's divine judgment. You know, prophets like Amos and Zephaniah, they, they spoke about God's coming judgment with the imagery, uh, imagery of darkness. And the Son of God was bearing the guilt of our sin and God the Father's full wrath because of it. A time of judgment there. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He was wounded and crushed, as we know from Isaiah 53.5, for our iniquities. So God's only son was forsaken for you, for me, on the cross. And Jesus, as we well know from other gospels, what did he say there on the cross? He said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was there that we find separation. And this is the, only, the first and only time that, that Jesus doesn't use Father when he talks to God. He says, my God, my God. There's been a separation in that relationship. And why is this? Because of the judgments of him taking the full wrath of what we deserve, the full wrath for, for our sin upon himself. 
So I say to you, I say to me, may, may the, the, the weight and the magnitude of God's judgment for, for our sin and Jesus taking every bit of it may, may it weigh heavy on us this morning. Not to forget the great judgment that, that Jesus took on our behalf, on your behalf. Something we should really remember daily. He took the judgment rightly deserved for, for our sin upon himself. And darkness came over the land. So we see that, we see darkness. We also see that the veil ripped in two. The first 45, the, the end of it says, and the curtain of the temple was what? It was torn in two, torn in two. You may say, hey, well, what, what does this really mean? Well, in the, in the temple, there, there was a, the holy of holies. There was a place where, where God manifested himself, separate apart from the rest of, of the temple. And this is a place that only one priest once a year could go um, and enter on the Day of Atonement to offer sacrifices there. And this veil, it was really there to protect the priest. It was there to protect others. Um, they, they needed that protection because this is the most holy place there. And this veil it was huge. It was massive. They say it was like 30 foot by 30 foot. It was made of thick linen. It would have been really heavy, probably a couple of hundred pounds. So, so imagine with me that this massive veil, and we know that while he's hanging there in the dark on the cross, what happens? This veil is ripped. And where is it ripped? It's ripped from top to bottom. Top to bottom during the, the crucifixion. Reminding us, that, hey, that, that God did this. No man could have. No man could have been at the bottom trying to rip this thing. It wouldn't have happened. God did this. So what is this meaning behind this? It meant this, that Jesus is a perfect sacrifice. He made the, the access to the Father possible for you and for me by his blood. He is the perfect lamb of God. No longer was the sacrificial system going to be needed. It wasn't needed anymore for, for the forgiveness of sins. No, Jesus took them all upon himself, all sin upon himself. As Hebrews 9, 26 reminds us that he appeared once and for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by what? By the sacrifice of himself. Forgiveness. Forgiveness given, given by, by His grace through, through faith, through all who place their trust in Him and Him alone for salvation. Those that are in Christ now, what do we have? We have direct access to the Father. We can go to Him directly now. We can draw near to God in full assurance. We don't have to be afraid. We can come towards Him. Yes, we come with awe and, and reverence towards Him, but we can come to Him. What is your response to that? What is my response to it? Hopefully it's a response of joy. But joy that those who place their faith in Christ, we can go to the Father because of what happened, um, because of the Son and what He did, what happened there. But the question I have to ask you, I have to ask myself, is do you draw to Him daily? Do you draw near to Him daily? Do you, do you remember this access that you have, or do you neglect it? So often we can neglect this time with Him, and I pray that that's not you. I pray that, that you are, are joyful and you enjoy this time of going um, with him. May we not neglect this access that we have. So that's what else we see there. We see the veil ripped in two. We, we also see last words. And who do we see the last words? We see Jesus' last words before his death there in verse 46. What does he say? He says, Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Jesus, he had to die. He had to die. Yes, fully God, fully man. We need both for, for the perfect sacrifice and atonement of our sins, but he had to die. And we see this, that the mankind, as we well know, dies. And him showing that he's fully man, he dies. 
But also being fully God, we know this, that he's the only proper substitute. We had to have both there to, to happen, to be the proper one. And Jesus, what did he do? He dies on our behalf. He freely gave himself up. John 10, 18 says, No one takes his life, that being Jesus, from him, but he lays it down on his own accord. He laid down his life on his own accord for you, for me. And then he says these last words as we read earlier, Into your hands I commit my spirit. And it's ringed out from the darkness as he was there on the cross. These words from Psalm 31, we hear him ringing out. Why is this? Because Jesus had this. He had complete confidence. He had trust. He had peace in the Father. He yielded himself to the Father because of that. He knew that as he breathed his last, knowing that this wasn't it. As he gave his spirit to the Father's hands, and that death was not it for him. I love what one commentator says. He says this, but from the end of the cross, he could see the light of the empty tomb. He knew the Father had always promised to raise his body from the grave and that this would happen on the third day. In the meantime, he entrusted his soul to the Father. So I ask you today, where is your confidence? Where is your trust? Where is your peace when your days come to an end? Where will it be? Is it in yourself or is it in the Savior, that being Jesus Christ? You know, and I pray that it's into the hands of God. I really do, knowing that, that this is not it for you knowing that, that you will be raised again just like Christ. I pray that for you. I pray that's where your confidence is. And not just that, but where is your confidence and your trust and your, your peace, even in times like these, when, when days um, are dark? Everyone's looking around, wondering what's going on. Where is your confidence? Where is your peace during even this day? And again, I pray that, that it's your faith in God, and that's what's pulling you through, remembering his faithfulness to us. Lastly, in this first portion of Scripture, we see some actions. And I love this. We see some actions of some people that were there. Again, just snapshots of some certain people that were there. We see one of them being the centurion there in verse 47. What does he say? Verse 47 says, Now the centurion saw what had taken place. He praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. This man was innocent. So the same people, the same centurions that were cursing and making fun of God and beating him and doing these things to Jesus, this one is one that, that turns his curses to praise and proclaims that, hey, he's innocent. In other places, in other, other gospels, he proclaims that, hey, this was the Son of God. We also see crowds. We see crowds that assembled there in, in verse 48. And all the crowds that had, had assembled for the spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, they returned home and they were, they were beating their breast. Why? Because there was guilt there. There, there was grief. There, there was fear, perhaps, reflecting on what they just saw. It wasn't the spectacle they thought it was going to be. So they returned home in anguish. And then we have the acquaintances and women there in verse 49. Verse 49, and all of his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee, they stood at a distance watching these things. Shock, I'm sure. Grief. And how, how can this be? This wasn't the way it was supposed to be. How can this be? How could this be the way that, that it would end? But I often wonder, as we look at these different people that were there, we see these different snapshots of those that were there. What, what about you and I? 
What about your response? What about my response to his death? I mean, we have a different view now than, than they have. We have God's word in full. We, we know what happens next. But, but again, what's our response to his death? Were our lives ever filled with confession of who he is? Do we ever have this, this heavy heart and, and repentance for, for our own sin? Do we ever have awe of Christ and, and the praise for, for what he's accomplished? Are those things there when we think of the crucifixion? And what actions do the crucifixion lead you to? All these took action in some form or fashion. What action does it lead you towards? What about this? What about telling others about him? Telling others about the good news of what he's accomplished on our behalf. Confessing him to others. And if you don't know him, what about realizing, hey, this weight that you feel on yourself, this heaviness, the sorrow that you feel as you read these words, as you realize your own sin, realize that, that the Lord's doing something in your life and surrendering your life to him fully, giving your life to him, realizing that, that he took the ultimate payment for you and for me. What are we doing with it? From a picture of Jesus' death, we come, to, we come to his burial. Come to his burial. In the last portion of our scripture this morning, what do we see? We see a clear picture of Jesus' burial. Jesus was dead, and he needed to be buried. So typically what would happen is, is Romans, would, they would leave the, the bodies of those that had been crucified. They would leave them where? They would leave them on the cross. Eventually, so they would just rot. And then eventually, down the road, they, they, would, they would pull them down, and they would just throw them into a pit. But that was not to be for Jesus. No. In steps a man not to let his, his Lord suffer any further dishonor. No, of course, knowingly, unknowingly, I should say, fulfilling the, the prophecy that, that was there in Isaiah 53, 9. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. And we see the actions of this man. He says he steps in there in verses 50 and 51 as we look at Joseph. Now, there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Armathia, and he was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man, what did he do? He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. So, council member, one that, one that, that was a part of those that, that sentenced Jesus there. But we also know he was a good and he was a righteous man. He didn't consent with these decisions and these actions taken against Jesus, Joseph. He didn't, he didn't agree with that. John says that, that he was a disciple of Jesus. But for fear of the Jews, he did so secretly. And he steps out publicly here with faith. Steps out publicly and he goes to the Pilate. I find this amazing. He goes to Pilate and he says, hey, I want the body of Jesus. And after Pilate assures that the Jesus had indeed died, he releases the body to Joseph. And I say this, what, what courage we see. We see courage in him, despite the loss of, of his reputation, maybe the, the loss of his profession, the, the financial security that they would have with that. Joseph, no, he takes, he takes action. He doesn't let those things pull him away. Now, yes, he, he at one time was standing in the background, not living fully and brightly for Jesus. But it begs the question for, for me and you this morning. How public are you as a fellow disciple of Christ if you're his? 
How public are you about him? Do you step out and encourage to, to honor Jesus daily, to live a life worthy towards him for his glory and everything that you do and everything that you say? Even if it costs you perhaps income or, or, or reputation or maybe even your, your profession, do you do so? I remember a time in my life when I was younger and I had a job and I was working it and the opportunity came in a moment to be able to share Christ with my boss. In that moment, I had to think to myself, hey, is this, is this worth it? This could potentially get me fired. I could lose, lose this, this job that I had that I need, maybe even my reputation. But it didn't matter. It was well worth it. Not to pat myself on the back and I shared Christ there being brave, being strong, taking courage for his glory, not for mine. Is that you? Do you do that? Do, do, do I do that daily now, showing and sharing with, with others that, 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 that love him, that want to point their lives to him and that you are with him? Hey, I am with Jesus. That's what he was saying. We also see faithful women there in verses 55 and 56. Faithful women. The, the women who, who had come with him, verse 55, from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and they prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they, they rested according to the commandments. So get this, they, they followed Joseph to see where Jesus would be buried. They wanted to know where he'd be buried. Um, they, they didn't go into hiding like, like other disciples, no. They went and they followed, they saw, and then they went back and they prepared spices anointments for the next day because they, they were, were committed um, to, to observe the, the Sabbath. They, they wanted to honor Christ even in his death. They, they were faithful with that to go and honor the Sabbath as it's commanded. So they went back to do so. And, and as I was reading that, I was thinking to myself, is honoring Christ that much importance to you? Is it an importance to, to, to me? Living a life that points to him in everything especially on the Lord's Day. You know, today we can't gather. I look around in here and primarily the, the chairs are stacked up and there's only a few of us here. But after this time, when things come back to normal, to a degree, will you come and, and will you gather here as we're commanded to do and, and, and honor Him on the Lord's Day? I pray so. I pray that, that we'll continue to observe it, that we'll continue to set this side apart for, for, for Him a day of rest and, and gather and honor Him. Why? Because it's important. It's important to have this, this, this time, despite what we have going on. I pray that we don't return to normal as far as that goes, that we have that desire to meet together. Boone Charles family, I cannot wait to be back with you whenever that time comes. Can't wait to see your smiling faces. Honoring. We see these women honoring Jesus. Lastly, we see that Jesus is buried there in verses 52 through 54. It says, This man went to Pilate. He asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down. He wrapped it in linen and shroud, and he laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever been laid. Jesus was, was taken down from, from the cross. He, he was wrapped in a linen, shr shroud, linen shroud there. He was placed in a tomb where no one had ever been laid before. Why? Because Jesus had to die and he had to be buried before he could be raised again. 
to show that he has power over death and power over sin. Which we, we know what happened on the third day. As we'll get there next week, we know what happened on the third day. He rose again. But, but as I close this morning, I ask again, I know I've asked a lot of questions because this is important to reflect on, is, is what is your response to all that you've read and all that you've heard this morning? What's your response to it? I do pray that it's one of honor. I pray that it's one of awe. I pray that it's one of praise to God for what he did to reconcile you to himself. He put you back into a right relationship with him. Those that, that, that surrender their life to Christ. Because there's only one way to be made right with the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. There's no other plan B. There's only one way, and that's through Jesus. So where are you this morning? As you remember, as you reflect on these different word pictures that we've seen, what is your response to what you've read? Is your life one that's been fully surrendered to him? Christ in faith? Is your life one that points others to Christ? Is that what you're about? You reflect, you respond where you are this morning. Or maybe you're like the crowds. Maybe you're like those crowds that, they, that, that, that left in grief and sorrow as they reflected on what had happened. They don't quite get it, but they have that grief and they have that sorrow. And maybe this morning, you're one who, as you read these words of this horrific way that the Son of God was, was crucified, that, that you feel the weight of it, but you don't quite understand it, but you also realize you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You don't know him. I pray that this is a day that, that your eyes are, are open to it, that you're free to understand biblical truth and free to understand that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus, and that you can't pay for your sin on your own. It would take eternity to do so, and you can't do it. Only Jesus could, only the perfect sacrifice could do that for you on your behalf to make the right way right with the Father. And he took every bit of, of God's wrath on the cross for you, for you. Will you surrender your life to him? Say, I'm a sinner, I need to have a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus. So I pray wherever you are that you would do so. You would do so. You don't have to be here to give your life to the Lord. 65 years ago, um, a guy who was a, a southern boy from North Carolina um, preached a revival service in Scotland, a live service that, that went through the airways, through radio, and a young lad um, heard it as he was sitting in a church in Spalding, England. And it was there that the Lord spoke to him through his word. And there he realized that he was a sinner and of a Savior, and that Savior was Jesus. It was there that he went home afterwards and he got on his face before the Lord and admitted that. and placed his faith and trust in Jesus. And his life was forever changed. It was directed toward his life and, and others as well. Friend, that could be you this morning as well. It could be you as well. Give your life to the Lord this day. Christian, fellow, fellow Christian, live boldly for him this day and in the sacrifice that he has made on your behalf and on mine. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this time that we've had to gather all over this area this morning and maybe even other countries. Who knows? Lord, and I do pray that as we come to these words that, they, that we will take time to reflect on them and that we will take time to, to respond. Your word demands a response. And I pray that you'll do the work that only you can do through your Holy Spirit this morning. Pinpoint those areas and show us, Father, where we need 
to, to confess and, and to repent. Whether it be ongoing sin in our life or something else or the fact that for some, they don't even know you. Lord, you do your work this morning as only you can do. Thank you again for this time to gather and make much of you. We love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Our benediction this morning comes from 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, there at the very end, chapter 5, verse 23 through 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Go in peace. Have a great and fantastic day today. We love you. Take care.